Hey, you guys. It's me, Riley. <laughs> I guess you know that. I want to know who's listening. Let me know. Shoot me a message if you're listening to this and, and let me know what you think. Um, I want to jump right in today into our story. Um, our, our guest is Dion White and she is such a treasure. Um, she's going to tell you all about who she is, so I won't say it twice, but she totally is radiant. And that is an understatement. I hope you'll um, follow her on Facebook and check her out. Her story is just full of beauty and she brings the truth. I mean, radiates truth. Every word drips with love and desire for wholeness for others. Every time I talk to Dee, she speaks firmly that I am whole. I am completely whole, not broken, not scarred, whole and one with God. And she's just such a powerful, powerful voice for sharing truth. And, you know, it is a difficult road to believing in wholeness and that we're loved by the Father. But uh, today we have the immense privilege to listen into her emotional telling of her journey to wholeness. And it's through a direct experience with God. And it's just such, such an honor to um, have her as our guest today. She is brave and her desire to set others free gives her so much courage. You do not want to miss a single detail. Hey, 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 you made it to the Ash and Ivy show where we get to be friends. My name is Riley and this is just all about creating space to talk about what's going on in life. All the things, the Ash, the Ivy, it all belongs and we're ready for it. I believe God shows up in every single one of our lives in unique ways. It's so beautiful. It's so fun to experience. Listen, we can create lives that light us up and we can do it together. Let's go. Well, hi, Dion. Thank you for coming to Ashton Ivy today. Oh, thank you so much, Riley, for having me. I'm honored to be here and excited to talk about um, what the Lord has done in my life and just a hopefully build and encourage the faith of the listeners today. Yes, that is, that is so exciting. I wanted to, um, well, first, how about we let you introduce yourself and then I'll tell how we met, which is kind of a fun story. Okay, sure. Tell us kind of who you are and what you do, what you're known for. Well, I'm Dion White and um, a wife of uh, amazing husband, 23 years, and I have two beautiful children, um, Asher and Anna, and um, just, yeah, they're amazing kids. They're my blessings and our gifts. And so, well, I am an artist by nature, um, creative in a lot of ways, always have been. I am now an author. I authored my first book last year in the pandemic. I published The Art of Freedom. Uh, keys to restore your heart, renew your soul and revive your body to live transformed because that was my personal story. And um, I'm a minister, prophetic minister and mentor and spiritual guide really of, of the Christian faith of the Christian faith. Mm, that is beautiful. I'm so excited about all of it. And your art is absolutely gorgeous. And it's actually what drew me to you. So I, <laughs> I got on this little Kintsugi kick and I was super excited about it. And I felt like I really want to learn about this and I would love, wouldn't it be cool if I found an artist who used this method? <laughs> and of course I read like there, you know, it's not typical in the United States or anywhere in general. It's an old art form, um, which you would do a better just job describing it, but it's taking broken traditionally pottery, right? Or yes. dish mm -hmm. and filling it with gold to restore the piece with greater beauty. Yes. That okay? It's an, it's an ancient Japanese art form um, practice. And um, I won't tell you the background of how it was um, established, but basically you're right. It, it's by taking broken pottery, broken vessels um, can be your everyday China, like back then for them. Uh, mm -hmm. And especially if it was valuable, if it was valuable, they, they reserved and all the pieces, and if they couldn't find all the pieces, they would um, fill it, fill it in with even gold, the spot, the place. And so they put a type of a resin 
in to uh, epoxy it together and then they use fine metals and so precious metals and most commonly is used gold. Um, I have seen uh, platinum um, as well. And so, but the most common is gold. And that's a really interesting story how I even got into um, learning about the art of Kintsugi. Uh, and like, I had no interest or desire in Japanese art form at all. Like I, I was an impressionistic girl. I loved the art of like Van Gogh and Monet growing up. And some of those were my first loves. And I've always had that type of um, drawn and bent to the romanticism type. Mm -hmm. style of art. I have a Van Gogh right here behind me. It's just a print of his sunflowers even, mm -hmm. but, um, and you can't really see it, but up here, I have a little Kintsugi um, oh, postcard up there too, about taking broken vessels. And the point of that um, whole art form was to take something that was valuable to collect the pieces and to mend it, to mend it. It means Kintsugi actually means golden joinery. So it's the mending of brokenness. And so for me, um, a part of my story was where I was coming from, very broken. Um, God drew me back to creativity, to use art, to basically help mend my heart. The Holy Spirit would uh, meet me in a place of creativity to uh, speak truth and life and love to me and just identity to me. And um, I began putting like uh, gold paint in my paintings. And I was never really one that loved gold paint, or like I said, even loved the golden or the Japanese art, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I began to put gold in my paint, uh, excuse me, gold paint in my mm -hmm. paintings. And then um, when I began to minister, my messages were bringing uh, encouragement and healing and hope to people. And so I would have friends that say, uh, send me images of the Kintsuki and they would say, this reminds me of what you're doing even spiritually. And mm -hmm. so as I sought the Lord about that, he confirmed that that's exactly what I was doing through my ministry is was mending brokenness. I was like the Isaiah 61, it says to bind up the brokenhearted, you know, and rebuild the desolate places and the ruins, you know, and that's really became like the mission statement behind my artwork, both visually and even my writing and my ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I just knew that there was a greater message in that. I love painting. It's a personal passion of mine and it's a secret place for me where I connect with God. It's actually, I prefer to paint privately, but I have painted publicly, but I'm more not that performance minded kind of person. So it's such a secret place. So um, the art of Kintsugi became very um, just personal to me and people would say, I, this reminds me of what you're doing. And so I just asked the Lord, you know, and he just kept saying, just mend them with gold D and in the kingdom of God, gold stands for his glory, gold stands for his glory, which is his presence. Mm -hmm. And so that is what I try to bring to people through everything that I do. But yeah, that's how we met through the art of Kintsugi, <laughs> my artware. Yeah. I felt like I was in a similar similar place of mending and taking brokenness and creating, finding the beauty in the brokenness. Mm -hmm. And when I looked up and found you, I mean, I was filled with so much giddy, you know, I was like, <laughs> here. And so I, I, it was kind of one of those brave out of the ordinary moments for me to message you. And then you responded. Yes, of course. Kind of like you did when I invited you to be on the podcast. Like, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Anytime. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, this girl is fire. And so, um, and so we met that day and, and talked about mostly everything except Kintsugi, which was <laughs> beautiful and perfect and um, really life-changing for me. I want to add, I did not go to coffee that day expecting that kind of conversation. And I'm sure you don't remember, but um it was just, it was just a very, it was really just in the depths of the rawness of me learning to speak at all my story or my truth or, or learning to be honest about who I am. Mm -hmm. It was very difficult. And you, you just called out and said, it's time to abolish perfection. Mm. And that moment opened 
the door for me and opened my heart and it changed everything. That blesses me really to hear that. And I actually do remember, I remember (laughs) even exactly where we sat and you came with your little journal and, you know, (laughs) you know, I was talking about writing my book and, you know, and just, you went into that and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I've struggled with perfection, but, you know, there are times where that, um, you feel like you have to put on, you know, a face or, and that's actually a lie from the enemy. And that's part of what I had to deconstruct was taking off the mask, especially in the religious community, because you're expected or you've, the enemy tells you that you're expected to have it all together. And so not so much perfectionism, but as uh, having it all together, hold it together, be strong kind of thing. And so, um, I'm really proud of you for what you've done and how you've just stepped out. And I'm thankful that we've, you know, stayed connected and um, that you've called out my authenticity. And that means a lot to me, you know, because um, I don't have a problem talking to anybody or meeting anybody for coffee. And, you know, I love to share what God has done and to speak into people's lives. And because if I'm not doing that, then I'm not living. There's no purpose in, in me even being here and, that was a part of my story. I don't know if you want to go into that. Um, yeah, let's just start. You were talking about finding the beauty and the brokenness. And uh, the beautiful thing about my brokenness is it led to, because um, I've heard people say this, Riley, where they say, well, my pain is a treasure, you know, and actually I struggled with that because who wants to treasure pain? Now, I would tell God through the, the, the years, you know, Lord, if I have to go through this or go through something, use it for your glory, use it for your glory, God. So just going back, let's go back a little bit. I grew up, um, in a wonderful, loving family and we were in an American European family. I have roots from Italy and Slovak roots as well. Um, and we were Catholic and I grew up basically going to what we called CCD classes on Wednesdays. Um, I didn't go to Catholic school, but you know, like what would be our Wednesday night Bible study kind of thing, you know, they did that for the Catholic kids too. And so that's kind of what I grew up doing. And my mom was a gifted musician. There was a lot of creativity in our family music, particularly around music. I, I have a little bit, but that wasn't my gifting. My gifting definitely was in the visual and creative arts um, side of things and with writing and even now speaking, I'm told. And so um, just embracing whatever God wants, or even through drama, I've been in dramas and stuff. So just, I was always drawn to the creative arts. It was a natural bent for me. Um, My dad actually was a an attorney, lifelong career attorney, and we were involved in politics some as well. He ran like prosecutor, he ran for judge and we campaigned. And so I was even familiar with that arena. We would go stuff mailboxes, you know, with the campaign pamphlets a long time ago when that was actually really allowed, you know, Um, (laughs) you know, so we had a lot of public relations because we owned a restaurant. So all the whole family worked in the restaurant. So I was brought up kind of in the public eye and with public relations and how to deal with people and um, just exposed to all different cultures early on. And so, um, you know, but it was a small town and it was a sleepy town in the winter because it was Northeast Ohio. And so it was kind of boring at times. And, you know, long story short, I got, uh, I was rebellious as a teenager. I didn't have Jesus as my Lord and Savior to my knowledge um, yet. And even though we went through the Catholicism, you know, and you go through the tradition of getting baptized as a baby and then getting confirmed, I didn't really understand it all then Riley, it was more tradition. And I was doing it because it's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. in the family. And I didn't have a relationship with God. I, I was, you know, I was rebellious and I, some things transpired that caused me to be a little bit more rebellious with my parents. Um, it was the way that, uh, a form, form of rejection started young. 
just with friends and stuff. I, I had a weight issue ever since I was little. Um, and that part of that was, that was our culture. We were Italian. We owned a restaurant. So you learned to eat and you ate all the time and for every event and celebration or sorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of a learned behavior, but um, I began to use food as a, a friend and a vice of how to deal and cope with things emotionally, especially when you're young, you don't have access to drugs or alcohol, usually readily, if that's not in your home. So food became my comfort, food became my escape. And I kind of, I love my family and my parents, but I kind of didn't have um, a voice. And so when I would try to speak up, I was um, at times belittled um, or just overlooked and, um, you know, kind of like, you don't cry, don't cry. You're stronger than that. You, you know, and so the emotions and the feelings I was feeling were not allowed. Mm -hmm. And so to keep me from talking or to keep me from crying, I would eat and I would suppress my feelings. And that's how I believe I got um, basically into bondage of just having a stronghold of a emotional eating disorder, young, very young. And then from then on, it became an image issue. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. The guy doesn't want to date me, you know, and just rejection after rejection. And I believe that's where a lot of this, uh, a lot of my problems started. And so those strongholds, as we know, are belief systems, and then we give right to the enemy, to our life, to keep us in that place. But as I grew older, I got sexually active with boys and, um, Unfortunately, at the age of 18, I got pregnant and I aborted that child. I carried the child for quite some time because I was quite undecided as to what to do. Um, a lot of fear surrounding that situation. Um, I had watched um, my oldest sister basically have a child really young and then go have a not a very good uh, marriage. And so um, that was a really hard decision. And I still was not saved. I still had not come into relationship with Jesus. So there was not a conviction of the Holy Spirit, technically right. yet, of my heart. I just didn't know what to do. Because right. all I was thinking about, Riley, was I have my whole life ahead of me. How am I going to support this child? How am I? Um, it's going to ruin my body. You know, just an onslaught of thoughts. You know, what are people going to think? I hadn't been, I hadn't graduated high school yet. It was my senior year. So a lot of those fears come and a lot of those thoughts and all this onslaught of ideas come and are served up to us and we have to make a decision. Yeah. And when it's outside of Christ um, like that, uh, it's a very lonely place. And unless you know Christ truly and walk with him, then you know that you could actually go to him without judgment and have him receive right. you and you know help you through that decision of what to do next and how life can be and how he will help you. So I, I got uh, an abortion at the age of 18. It was quite traumatic uh, because I was so far along in the pregnancy and um, you know, I don't want to get graphic on here. <laughs> oh, whatever you need to tell. I don't want to get graphic on here, but um, you know, basically they put you through labor to prepare your body because at that late of stage, um, I found out years later that it was a dismemberment and I didn't know that early on. And I probably, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Mm, take your time. Fear is a really, really strong force and it, bl it blinds you from a lot of things. And if I was told the procedure, which I know I was not told the procedure because yeah. then it, most people probably would walk away, you know, if they actually knew exactly what happened. But if I would have known the procedure, I most likely would have walked away that day. But fear is a very, very strong force and it blinds you to so many things. And then it enslaves you, you know, to uh, the effects afterwards. 
So uh, basically after that, long, long story short, my I uh, graduated high school. I went off to Chicago. Um, I met a guy that was about nine years older than me. Life did not go as planned. I was supposed to go to art, art school <laughs> institute. That was my dream. And um, things happen. Life happened outside of the will of God for my life. And I was not walking with God. I was in rebellion and in sin. And uh, I met a guy nine years older than me and I ended up marrying him. And, um, before I married him, we got pregnant and he, um, I never like to put anybody down. I want that to be known that I don't tell these stories to, to belittle anybody or put, put the blame on anybody else. But, um, he basically just said, he said I was unfit to be a mother, which wasn't true. I know that wouldn't have been true, but that he, um, you know, didn't want to be a father. And, you know, somebody hands you a credit card and tells you to take care of the baby. That's, you know, like it's a, like it's a car payment kind of thing, you know? And so I felt like, uh, that's a, it was a really difficult situation because, um, it was just a bad situation with the condition of where I was with him and I didn't really have a choice. And so, we aborted that child at six weeks and it was right, right after I found out I was pregnant and I swore to God. And I say that like, literally like that, I would never do this again. God there again, I was, you know, there again, I was, but I want to tell the story because I really feel like I'm supposed to say that with now that I have put that out there and that the people know that that's my past. I want to tell you about what God did. That's right. Before I came into relationship with him, even now, I want to let you know, though, too, that I did talk to God as a little girl. You know, my mom was a praying woman and I talked to God as a little girl. So I believe there were seeds of faith and truth in me from a young age that I believed like a child to talk to God. But somewhere along in those teen years and those rebellious years, you lose that and you your eyes get focused on other things. But I had a girlfriend that invited me to go to, um, I'm sure this doesn't happen often to everybody, but (laughs) she invited me to go to confession. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) She invited me to go to confession. One day she said, I'm going to go to confession at the Catholic church. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, anything to get out of the house, but I'm sure, yes, I can go confess something. And so that was a practice that we did, you know, being Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, the, the, the sanctuary was empty and the confessionals were on the side of the aisles. And she went into one of the confessionals and I sat in the middle of the sanctuary on this pew and it was cold and dark and it was quiet And as she's in there, I'm just sitting there terrified, like, God, I don't want to go in there and tell that man about my abortion. Yeah. And so I look up and there's a statue of Jesus up towards the altar area and his arms are down and open and out, you know, like come to me kind of thing. And all of a sudden I felt the compulsion to just confess to Jesus right there. I've never done that in my entire life, right? I've been Catholic all this time. And I felt the compulsion to confess to him. And so tears well up in my eyes, the sorrow comes to my heart and just how I just resented what I did. And I start confessing to the Lord. I am so sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. I took this life, you know, and I just am pouring my heart out to him, but please Lord, just forgive me. Don't make me, don't make me go in there and tell that man this. And I'm telling you, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if I was that concerned, but I just didn't want to go in to the confessional. <laughs> he saved you. He saved me from that, uh, from that condemnation basically. Right. <laughs> and so, right. um, in a moment's time, I'm sitting there and I'm telling him this, I'm confessing, I'm crying, and I feel a warm liquid come down and drip down over my scalp. And it was so strange as if like um, that old kind, that old timey, like 
trick you play on, like I cracked an egg on your head and like the <laughs> yolk runs down your scalp kind of thing. I don't know if anybody ever did that, but like, well, I've done that to my boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I'm talking about, but it's this warm, this warm, it penetrated through the hair and it came literally to the scalp. And I felt like it was coming down and I envisioned, I, I saw like not on my hands, but like in my mind, what I call now in the spirit, I put up, I I saw that it was blood and I looked at my hand and I said, what is that? And there was nothing on my hand uh, in the natural, but I saw blood and the Lord said, the spirit spoke and said, I am washing you white as snow. Your sin is forgiven. And I just got flooded with this um, washing. I felt like a whole gush of water come through me. And I was just like baptized in joy is what I tell people because I began to laugh and cry at the same time of relief and gratitude. He, he cleansed me. He washed me. He forgave me in that moment upon my confession and my repentance. And then he, um, he baptized me with a joy. It was, it was incredible. And I thought, what is this? I've never experienced anything like that before. And so my friend comes out of the confessional and I'm laughing and crying (laughs) from the spirit, just baptizing me. I'm sitting alone. (laughs) I love it so much. And she came over to me like with this look on her face, like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that's done. It was belate. It was, it was awful to go in there and, you know, release that to a man and, feel condemned and then have to go say your penance. Right. Right. And so she looked at me and she goes, what's wrong? And I said, nothing. She goes, what happened out here? (laughs) And I told her, I said, I don't have to go in there now. I don't have to go in there because Jesus just met me right here. And I told her about what happened and she (gasps) just, we laughed and she said, I wish I would have stayed out here. That's right. (laughs) That experience sent me on a pursuit of Jesus. And he pursued me and was faithful to pursue me as well. And it wasn't until five years later, though, that I was aligned and in that place where I truly gave my heart to him. But I had a radical encounter with, you know, salvation. I went from Catholicism to basically Pentecostalism, you know, thrown right into that type of um, church environment. Met my husband a couple years later, my, my now husband, I ended up moving, getting divorced from the other man. Um, and then ended up meeting my other husband that I have now of 23 years. And um, it's just been a God journey ever since. And just amazing to see what God has done. That's not my transformation. That's coming into just my I was thinking, I know there's more to this. There is more. There's so much more. Do you want to ask anything about that or just springboard off of that somehow? Oh man, I'm just, I'm just in awe. My heart is racing and just the good, that's such good news, right? It is good news. It's such good news. And it's so, it puts you in awe of the father Mm. and his graciousness and that he pursues us our whole lives and, and set this foundation for you. And it's just beautiful, astounding, just so beautiful. I'm so thankful. So I'm so thankful that you shared it. I feel Um, like I should just um, maybe just even right now, while we're in this moment, speak to anybody listening just to break off the condemnation. If you've had an abortion Um, or partnered with somebody, maybe you've driven them or paid for it. Uh, You've come into agreement with the the sin of it in general. We know that sexual promiscuity and immorality is a sin in itself, but the, the act of taking a life is, is just, it's not that it's a greater sin. It's just that there, there's just so many different consequences and stipulations that come with it. And my heart grieves because um, people have not been allowed to heal. And they have been condemned over and over and over again by uh, the church in general, especially uh, a religious community or 
fear of shame um, coming upon you. And so, first of all, I want to tell you that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, that he who knew no sin became sin and took our abortions on the cross, took our sin on the cross and upon our confession of him as our Lord and Savior and the confession of our, of our sin, um, he took it and he gave us his righteousness and it, he gave us a new identity and a creation, a new creation. And that's what I want you to hear today is that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, Jesus is always so excited when you come home to him and to receive him, he receives you and he will forgive you. And then the Lord is able by the power of the Holy Spirit to heal every area of your heart, every area of your soul, and to reset you again on right path, which is righteousness, the right way of doing things in the kingdom of God with him. So I just want to break off the lie of shame and guilt and condemnation today off of you. Especially even if you've confessed to the Lord already this situation, shame has a way of lingering and keeping you in a place of bondage and keeping things secret. So I want to and, and just break those lies off of you today. There is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is waiting for you to come to him so that he can make all things right for you. And not just that, but that he can um, heal you fully this side of heaven to walk empowered and purposed. He doesn't want you to live in secret and he doesn't want you to live in shame. So we want to shed the light on that today to expose the darkness of your heart in that place. Mm. So the enemy loses its power in Jesus name. Mm. In Jesus name. That is, that is so good. That is so good. That's going to free. It's going to provide a way for a lot of us. Thank you. Yes. Well, let me tell you, uh, there are stipulations to doing these kind of things. They do manifest in your life. And I became uh, a victim of that, of depression, anxiety, chronic fatigue, multiple symptoms, which becomes fibromyalgia, insomnia, low self-worth issues, uh, identity issues. And so even after I came to know Jesus and I was walking spirit filled, baptized in the Holy ghost, we were in ministry. I think somebody needs to hear that. We were in ministry. My husband and I were ministers. There, there. <laughs> I, I want people to understand that the devil doesn't care where you are and what you do. He will inflict you no matter what, you know. Yeah. And so, if you're in ministry, I understand that there are often uh, times in your personal life of secrets or past you don't have to be ashamed of that. And you don't have to put on a perfection mindset or put on a mask. But that's what I did because I thought that that's what you were supposed to do to have it all yeah. together as a Christian, especially. But I- <laughs> I'm going to just stop you. It is blowing my mind because I just, well, I spoke Sunday, I told you, and then I recorded our podcast for last week. And then to, this morning I recorded our podcast for this coming Monday. And I mean, I'm, Word for word, what you're saying is what I said. That is awesome confirmation. It is. That's the Lord speaking. The spirit is speaking (laughs) to the people, whoever's listening, because that is the Lord speaking when it comes in a confirmation like that. But I put on a mask because that's what we were told to do is, you know, you, or the enemy tells you, you have to have it all together. You're the minister. You're the leader, you know, now I'm not to be in sin, you know, and right. living a simple life, but that doesn't mean that I can't have faults or weaknesses because the That's Bible right. actually says in my weakness, he is made strong, God is strong. He is mm-hmm. my strength. And so it's a backwards mindset from the world. God actually wants us to be weak so he can be our strength. And in that he is glorified. And that's the whole point is that God is glorified through our life. So I became a victim of depression um, of anxiety, insomnia, I, my weight issues would go up and down, up and down. I would juggle with 
weight loss issues or uh, diet diets, or, you know, trying everything under the sun and never really getting free from the obesity or from the, the bondage and the cycle of the eating and the food issues. Um, and then, you know, at times before I really knew the Lord, I resorted to alcohol and re rebounding and re and going into poor relationships with the wrong men. And of course there was sex involved and, you know, just looking for that place of acceptance and love. But even after I became a Christian spirit filled baptized, I was still living in a place of bound. I needed deliverance in my soul. You know, the strongholds of my mindsets needed to be broken. And uh, eventually I ended up having a spirit of infirmity. And we know that that's in the Bible. There's a woman with a spirit of infirmity that Jesus casted that out of her. Um, or even like the woman with the issue of the blood, you know, it's a type of infirmity and curse. And so that needed to be taken care of. And so, um, so like an abortion and those kind of things, they have physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual stipulations and consequences. And if we don't take care of them, they can go unnoticed for years. And you, you don't even recognize that the pattern of your unhealthy habit or toxic pattern that you're living in mm -hmm. is a result of your sin. Even though Jesus already forgave you, see, he's forgiven you, but that doesn't take away sometimes the consequences of them coming to fruition. Mm -hmm. He, his death on the cross delivered us from the law of sin and death. That meant that we don't have to be the sacrifice. He became the sacrifice for us. He became sin for us. And that's why um, people like, well, I don't understand. Why do I have to um, walk through deliverance? Shouldn't it just be gone when I get saved? Well, some people can get radically delivered when they get saved too. But sometimes there, is a, there are strongholds that need to be broken. There's generational mindsets. There's uh, generational medical histories that carry on through your bloodline. And so it's a matter of walking that out with the Holy Spirit and understanding how to become free in all those ways. Um, so, you know, I, I basically had to give up my career. I was an optician for 10 years. I gave up a good career because of uh, depression, anxiety. I was having emotional, mental breakdowns, um, nervous breakdowns. So I became bound by even pharmaceutical drugs, um, not recreational pharmaceutical. So there was uh, anti-anxiety meds, you know, like psychotropics and benzos and pain pills and you name it. I, at one time, I think I counted, it was up to 24 meds at one time for some type of symptom or issue. Okay. And Riley, I just came to the place where I said, God, if this is the life that I have to live, I don't want to live it. If this is, if this is what life is, I don't want to live it. And I would ask him to take me home, but him in his grace knew he had a better purpose for me. And he would make all things good because he called me according to his purpose. And I loved him. And so he saved me and he delivered me. And I adamantly went after the promises of God in my life. I went after the promises of God. Like it was my daily bread. Like I needed it to survive. I needed to hear his voice. And I asked him, either you take me or you heal me, mm. you know, and you've read my book. So I've had some amazing, you know, supernatural encounters with the Lord. Um, and I, I mean, they're, they're countless. I've had countless ones now and he is faithful. And I'm going to tell you, he is alive and he is a real God. And he is the only God that can heal us, save us and set us free. He's the yes. only one that can do that. And so radically in 2015, I came to the place of surrender of just saying, I give up God, either you take me home or you heal me. And I was just like, it's not well with my soul. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, surely there's more. And so by his grace, um, I met a lady. I asked a friend, I said, you know, um, I'm really struggling. I'm really, I, I admitted it. I'm really struggling and I need help, God. And so I told a lady that, and she referred me to a spirit-filled counselor who was local. And um, I don't believe in all psychology and counseling, but I do believe in God-led 
spirit-filled counseling. Um, and this woman, I don't really even remember her counseling me on anything psychologically. Let me put it that way. She had the wisdom of God and she was a prophetic voice for God to me. And she began to speak into my identity in those sessions. I think I went maybe three times and, um, or twice, maybe even when I had already begun to begin to be healed and delivered and free. Hmm. And, um, she spoke into my identity. She just kept telling me who I was in God and what God said about me and what the Bible said. And she kept just pumping truth into me. So it's just replacing those lies with a new belief system. Amen. Yes. It's breaking down those lies and putting in the truth for the belief system. We have to do that. It has to become our foundation. And so, um, I'll never forget because I wasn't able to drive for maybe 30 minutes at the most. Like I would be terrified to drive to Greenville on the interstate and anxiety and everything. And so I was literally bound to a region. You know, I wasn't just bound in my mind and my heart. I was bound to a region. I wouldn't travel for fear and panic. Yeah. And so like, I think it was after the second, um, session I had with her again, like I said, I think she was more of a minister to my heart than she was a counselor, Sounds um, like it. but, um, but she knew the other, of course, too, but I had this urge to begin to create again. And God was telling me to invest in myself. And so I decided to go away on a retreat of an art retreat. And I told my husband, I said, um, I'm going to go by myself. And he says, really, you know, like you could drive that far that that's two hours away. And I said, I really feel like I can do this. I need to do this by myself. And so I didn't tell the counselor about that beforehand because <laughs> I don't know if she would have been okay with that or not. I hadn't driven outside <laughs> 30 minutes in years, you know, and I was terrified to fly at that time too. Mm -hmm. And so I'll never forget. It was on that drive that the Holy spirit met me. And I had just real vulnerable conversations with God in the car, driving up that to that retreat. I did it. And when I came back, I told her what I did. She was blown away. Like the anxiety, <laughs> my anxiety was gone. It was like it fleed. It was completely gone. And then as I began to create again and paint again and go back to um, just painting and sitting with the Lord and using worship music as my background, music, um, the depression began to flee even, and joy just began to come back. And I began to just, I don't know, Riley, it's just amazing how God uses our gifts to connect with him mm -hmm. to make the darkness scatter at times. Yeah. And I hear you saying like you took action. Like I think so much healing and so much clarity and direction comes when you move and when you when you start to go and take, take that, that movement, he's able to kind of use that to heal. Um, well, we then, have to see, he has to see that we are willing. And mm -hmm. so the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you or draw nigh mm -hmm. to God and he'll draw near to you. We have to take the step to do something and he will always, always meet us there. I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have shown, you post your pictures so, so bravely. And it's, I mean, you're just, I wish I could describe it. Let me try. I mean, just bright countenance, clarity, beauty, just shining eyes, just overall health is, has come into your life and in your face, your countenance is just so radiant and joy filled. It's, it's really pretty outstanding. It's his light. It's his light and it's his healing. And, you know, that's part of our inheritance as children of God is healing. It says that, you know, healing is the children's bread and that's our inheritance in Christ. He died for that. He, it says um, in Isaiah, you know, by his stripes, we are healed. You know, that's something that we have to claim, but it literally was from death to life. I show people the before and after pictures. So for those listening, I was right under 300 pounds. I was probably 299.9999 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just had an accelerated um, on the pursuit of God in this, in this place of surrender. I began to practice, feel led, led to even practice forms of fasting. 
I didn't like starve myself. I didn't deny myself things I wanted. Like I would still allow myself like a sweet, if I wanted it, I might, might've cut the portion in half or, you know, done it less, less, you know, um, often, but he revealed to me the things that were, that were detrimental to my health. And I began to cut those things out. The spirit became my coach, really the Holy Mm -hmm. spirit became my coach in this. And, uh, I didn't have any doctor's help, no prescription, no surgery, no diet pills, nothing. I just walked and breathed and did a little bit of stretching people might call it yoga, but I didn't really do yoga. Um, but I did, you know, I just got still with God. Right. And I sought him because I, I had to, I I had to, or I was going to die. Riley to this place of desperation. And I had to, it was that, and he became everything, my breath, literally my breath that I needed. And it, without him, the lies would come. And so I needed to make sure I fellowshiped with the Holy spirit daily to keep the lies away from the enemy. Cause he's always the accuser of the brethren. He never stops night and day. The enemy accuses us continually. And that is scripture, you know, but I just remember just being so desperate for him and desperate to change it. So I literally went from night to day, uh, dark death to life. I lost 80 pounds in a very accelerated time. You know, the metabolism changed. I got off all my prescription medications by the help of the Lord. And, um, I just began to prophesy over my own soul, telling it who it was in Christ, reminding myself who I was and taking authority over the things in my life that Jesus gave us the authority to do. And so that accelerated transformation happened. My hair color began to change my hair uh, texture change because, you know, medications mess with your hormones and all that. And so like people, the transformation was so fast and so accelerated that people were not even recognizing me that I had done life with for over a decade here. Wow. And they were like, what have you done? And I didn't really have an answer other than I gave (laughs) up, I gave up. And I asked God to help me and I sought him with all my heart and I followed the directions he told me to do. I followed his instructions. His voice changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. Mm. Your story is oh, it's so full of hope. And I'm so thankful we all have a story because we all have something to give. It means we all have a place for God to redeem And it's not, none of us is excluded from his ability to bring life to our, to our dark places. Amen. Thank thank you for inviting us into that and sharing that truth with us. You know, it's not just to redeem, it's to redeem and restore. It's that Isaiah 61 promise, you know, to restore the ruins of those desolate places, to bind up the broken heart of it to set the captives free. I mean, that is my heart. You know, when, when I had my encounter with my healing, one of my monumental healing encounters that those of you, if you get my book, you'll read about it in my book, the monumental healing encounter I had with him. He actually commissioned me back into ministry because the enemy had taken me out and my husband and I were no longer in like full-time ministry. And so he tried to take me out literally, but the Lord on that same day that he said, I'm healing you. He also commissioned me back into ministry and said, now you can birth this. And so for five years now, I've been trying to um, birth continually what he's given me with just bringing hope to people, particularly women. And that he gave me an acronym, acronym, even for that hope stands for helping others persevere empowered. And so my heart was to tell my story, to bring hope, to tell my story, to build faith, to glorify him, and just to set people free and put them on the path to purpose. And now I'm helping co-write a, um, a healing course for women who have had abortions and it's called unlocked healing. And my good friend L and I, um, Stahlhut Retzel is, um, we are, God put us together. It's a God thing. We both got healed basically the same way 
And it wasn't a traditional healing, like through counseling or through a Bible study at a local pregnancy place. It was intimate healing. The Holy Spirit met us and took us through supernatural healing with the prophetic voice of God uh, to bring our healing from our abortions. And so it's so amazing that he caused our paths to cross um, and then put that hope in us to want to bring healing to women and write this course for them. And so we're doing that now. And it's, wow. it's different than anything that's out there. And just to give you a heads up, you know, it is, it's an experience. You will experience Jesus and the Holy Spirit in this course. You're not just going to be taking a Bible study. You will learn about the Bible. You will learn the important things that you need to know, the truths that you need to deposit in you and declare. Mm-hmm. And we will walk you through experiencing Jesus, even through exercises of surrender and release, breaking soul ties, going to the court of heaven with prayer. I mean, it's a fully packed, spirit-filled, prophetic type of healing course that is not out there now. And anybody, it's not even just for people with abortions, even though that that's the main purpose of it, but anybody could, if they've lost a child some way, some other way, or any type of healing needed, they could benefit from this. But I'm just honored that the Lord has asked us to do that. We're really excited about what God's doing with that, because Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of people set free, healed, and joy returned with purpose empowered. How do we find more information about that? Well, right now on my Facebook page, um, every Friday morning, we are doing a live broadcast of just sharing truths about the goodness of God and the testimony of Jesus and speaking to the things that surround abortion and bringing those healing truths. So it's called unlocked healing. Mm -hmm. And um, if you just follow my website um, or get on my, my mailing list at the art of freedom book.com. There will be a notice when that course is available. I will send out an email, but um, you can. And also when you do that, you get the first chapter of your book for free. You do get the first chapter of my (laughs) book for free. And I usually, there's also free just resources, ministry resources on there for you. Um, And so fantastic. you follow my Facebook page, Dion White, or it's Dion L. White, I believe, Dion L. White. Every Friday okay. morning, we do that broadcast. And then um, we actually have started a, a group called Unlocked Healing. If that is some place you want to be a part of as this unfolds, it'll be a safe place to heal, to process, to answer questions. We'll be offering mentoring in there as well. And that's on Facebook, Unlocked Healing. And it's got like okay. a little laurel wreath with a gold key kind of a symbol in it. So, okay. Okay. Good. Good to know you are full of so many resources. I've enjoyed looking through all your pages and it's wonderful. Well, I've been told told I'm the content queen and I'm like, sometimes, you know, it's just the spirit. It's (laughs) It's the real thing that's happening. When it opens up, it comes and I'm, I'm here to give it out. I'm here to give it out. So thank Thank you you so much, Riley. I pray this was an encouragement and a blessing to people today. hundred percent. Wow. This stuff lights me up every time. And I want to hear from you. It's your turn. So listen, first, I want to thank you for subscribing to this podcast. That means the world to me. Reviewing and sharing the show is the best way to help it grow and is the greatest gift to me. So if you like what you hear, please pop it in your stories and tag me. Thanks.